Okay, welcome to the Shambles podcast. I think we're on episode three, still live from the fringe. Uh, I'm joined by a very special guest today, a comedian called Mr. Al Lubell, who's currently playing the Justatonic Caves. Uh, he's a very exciting, interesting comedian, very warm, a lot of warmth in his act. I very much enjoyed that, very engaging show. I highly recommend it. Anyway, um, let's meet him. Hi, Al, how are you? Oh, good. Thanks. Thank. I didn't realize that. You see, it's interesting to hear people comment. I didn't realize I, pr- I give off warmth. Really? What say? Like, w- what way do I give off warmth? Well, so uh, for those of you who haven't seen the show, Al comes out uh, without a microphone, for example. So it's very relaxed, sort of like, and it's it's very warm. You know, you're de- you're dealing with like a sort of a, a difficult, you know, some emotionally difficult subjects, but it's dealt with in a very, you know, warm way. In fact, the first time I met you, that's the first thought I thought about you was very warm oh thank you very much yeah uh, well thank you yeah I like the idea of not using a microphone I don't like the sep- the microphone creates a separation in my mind between me and the audience and I like the idea it's just uh, one-on-one like you know I might be maybe I could start stalking them yeah. so um, I've done a bit of research I want to just want to ask that obviously you won a big talent competition when when was that how many years ago by the way in terms of could we ask everyone in the festival to stop talking while we do this i find it distracting is there a way we can ask no (laughs) maybe not okay uh i won a talent contest what was the question when did i win it 1988 star search yeah i was only three now i'm joking no but uh yeah i won the hundred thousand dollar comedy prize in star search because i'm one i'm imagining the sort of act you do now what you didn't do in 1988, am I right? Yeah, you're right, you know, it's interesting. Someone said that to me yesterday. They said, did you do this Alubel stuff on there? And no, I didn't, ha- I didn't know I was Alubel yet. Uh, right, I didn't have that yet. Why does that seem like I couldn't have done what I do now on there? You mean the darker parts or the, or the Alubel stuff or? Well, it's, yeah, it's play- it plays a lot with the form, right, of, uh, of stand-up. And I imagine from what I've seen of that competition, it, was, it seemed like quite mainstream sort of, you know, like uh, standard sort of like observational sort of stuff. Is that the sort of stuff you used to do? Yeah, exactly. And not so much standard, yeah, kind of standard. Like, uh, I remember I had a joke about uh, Billy Joel, uh, and he married years ago Christy Brinkley. Do you know Chris? She was a supermodel, I think she still is. So my joke was he married Christy Brinkley. And then I'd say, I love you just the way you are. You know, a big sacrifice there, Billy. That was one of my big jokes. It's a good, it's a good joke, and so uh, again, just this is just me maybe overimagining it. But was there a point where you where you changed your act, where there was a where it changed, a visible change from what you were doing to what you're sort of doing now? Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's not really like a. I can't like identify a point, but like it happened gradually. I just realized. Yeah, I guess I just wanted to talk about things that I'm passionate about, and I found I'm only passionate about myself. So. Uh, I just wanted to, t- I just naturally started talking more and more about myself. You know, I didn't really care about Billy Joel that much or Christy Brinkley. Just me. <laughs> okay, all right. So, uh, and what, was there any other comedians who you were working with at the time who inspired it? Like, you hear some comedians say they were, like, they saw a comedian do something and then they were like, oh, I, I want to do it more like that. Or, like you say, was it all natural, an all natural progression? Well, I remember, like, uh, Maybe in the late 80s, uh, you know, Judd Apatow is like a popular uh, film producer, director in L.A. He told me to listen to Woody Allen's albums. 
And I did. I started listening to his. I was like blown away by Woody Allen. I thought it was just amazing writing and performing and so clever and smart. And, uh, and then I thought, wow, I think maybe it's a good idea if I get clever and smart. <laughs> that might help me. And so I tried to be more smart and clever. And, uh, and then I got into that. And I, I, I liked that. And then uh, uh, I, just, uh, I just like a lot of comedians. Gary Shandling. I like Jerry Seinfeld. I really like a lot. Just the, the wording, the timing, the whole everything. And uh, I just uh, gradually evolved. And I didn't plan how I was going to evolve. But it just, whatever, you, you just keep trying things. And things that work, you keep. And if you like it, you keep it. I mean, sometimes things work and you don't like it. They have to work and you like it. And then sometimes things don't work, but I like it and I just keep doing it and doing it and you, until I get it to work. And then sometimes they never work and I'm still doing it <laughs> just because I just like it. Okay. So um, I'm surprised that you, you came to like, an act like Woody Allen quite late. So who were you watching before Woody Allen? What sort of acts and comedy were you watching? I was like a late developer as a comedian. Uh, I remember as a kid, I, Alan King on Ed Sullivan. You ever hear of Alan King? He was a... Uh, a popular comedian like in the 60s in America and uh, I, he was maybe the first comedian I ever remember, remember on TV but I remember as a kid I really liked Don Rickles you ever hear of Don Rickles the insult yeah, he would come on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and just he was my favorite I'd say Don Rickles and I really liked the Smothers Brothers you know as a kid I really liked them and uh, those were my influences but I didn't and then Lenny Bruce I saw the movie Lenny about Lenny Bruce and I really liked that because uh, I like the fact that he, he died of suicide, a drug overdose. I thought, I want to do that. No, I didn't think that. But uh, I really liked, and that started to make, I saw that when I was young, and I thought, that was the first time I thought, well, I'd like to be a comedian. Like, I just thought it was really cool that everyone was listening to him and looking at him. And I didn't realize, though, that when you're on stage, you can't be thinking everyone's listening and looking at me. But I was jealous of him because everyone's looking and listening to him. And I thought, what a, but when you're on stage, you can't think that. Because if you think that, you're not concentrating. So I guess comedy is not as good as I thought it would be because you can't think that. I wish you could think that too, but you can't. But uh, that was a big influence, Lenny Bruce. And uh, yeah, so that's how, but yeah, I'm surprised I got to Woody Allen late. I had seen his movies and liked them, but I had never, I didn't remember him from TV at all. And then when I heard those albums, I thought, wow, this guy's got the best stand-up I've ever heard. So did you, when did you, realize that you were funny uh, I don't know you know it's a weird uh, I, in school I would make people laugh but uh, I don't know if I I think they would laugh at me I would be silly I would go for the silly stupid thing I wasn't clever and uh, I don't know when I realized I was uh, I noticed people were laughing at me I as a kid I didn't distinguish between with me or at me and uh, it's getting I, the laughs yeah, I was, yeah, I was always trying to get a laugh whatever way I can. But I didn't think I was so funny. I thought I was, people were laughing at me. I just liked creating laughter in some way. Okay, so before I get on to like, your career, I want to get an idea of the geography of where you're from in America. Um, am I right? You're born in Florida, is that right? No, no I was born in uh, New York City. Uh, yeah, New York. And I went to, finished high school there. And uh, I went to Maryland for a year with my family, and then I got try to get away from my family. I went to Miami to college for the rest of the time, undergrad and law school. Okay. What part of New York are you from? Queens, Queens, New York. Yeah. 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 Um, so, how did you get from lawyer to comedian? Uh, well, that's a good question. Well, in uh, law school, I knew I wanted to try comedy, so they had open mics every Sunday night in Fort Lauderdale, so I'd go up there a lot. 
And I kind of knew I wanted to. And then I won the Best Comedian Contest at the University of Miami had one, and I managed to win it. And they, the prize was to, to go out to L.A. to perform, but I hurt my back playing basketball when I got there, so I couldn't perform. But anyway, after law school, I figured I wanted to try comedy, so I decided not to do law in Miami. I went to L.A., and I passed the bar there, and I did law for two years there. And then uh, I was dabbling in comedy at night at open mic nights. And then after two years, I just quit law and tried to become a, and became a comedian. Did you learn anything from being a lawyer that you've used in your comedy? Uh, yes, I think uh, just the idea maybe to analyze things, like analyze both sides of an argument, you know, think deeply about something. I think I probably got that from law. Language as well, like a lot of, lot of uh, the way language is in, in law as well, I guess. I think so, although I don't know so much of that language. I mean, a lot of that language I don't use. Like, I remember in briefs, I think, I can't remember some of those words now, but there were some words that were used a lot in briefs that I know I never use now. But I, I wish it could come to mind, but uh, not so much the language, I think. It was just the analysis. Okay. Um. Oh, you should have my questions right now. Well, uh, sure. yeah, uh. By the way, how many, oh, are we on right now or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're going to edit it. Oh, you're going to edit it. Because that was a long pause. I was yeah. saying, that's, you're very confident to pause that long. No. Uh, you see my act. <laughs> are you a stand up too? Oh great! Wow. Do you do you talk about me in your act? <laughs> kind of <if> you want. <laughs> but uh, I, my biggest fear is everyone does their whole act about me, and then suddenly I'm not that special. I'm like, oh, another Al Bell guy. That would be a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I tell you what, I found really interesting actually. Look at your website. Was um, you were like one of the last comedians to feature on the Johnny Carson show? Right. Yeah. Well, that must have been quite an amazing. Achievement. It was, it was bittersweet, though, because I know I wouldn't get a chance to come back on, you know, because he's leaving. Yeah. I almost got back on again, but then they had all these celebrities he wanted to get on at the last minute. But uh, it was. But I have to look at the positive. I was thrilled to get on right before he quit because I always wanted to do it. And uh, but uh, by the way, can you give me an idea how many people are listening? Because I want to know how nervous to be. Uh, you know, a couple of thousand, maybe. Really? Seriously? Well, I'm I'm nervous then. <laughs> It uh, could, could reach more, you know? Could reach more, yeah. Is this live? No, this is edited. So right now, I don't have to be nervous. That's what I say to myself when I've done TV with like 5 million people because they tape it early. So I don't think 5 million are watching. I think the studio audience, 400 are watching. And hopefully, maybe they'll just edit me out and 5 million will never watch. <laughs> Neurosis plays quite a big part in your act, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess... Again, I'm thinking out loud here, but um, I suppose discovering yourself, that sort of coincided with the w where you are now as an act, right? The more you learn about yourself and analyze it, the more you were able to say, oh, well, that's some good material for me to work on, right? I think therapy, going to therapy is... Uh, I remember I went to therapy in college, and uh, I didn't like... It was strict Freudian, and literally, you know, it was just he... I'd talk, talk on a couch, and he wouldn't say anything. And then we, time, we had, like, a battle one day, I wanted him to talk, and he wouldn't talk. And so literally spent the whole 50 minutes. I lied there without saying a word, and he said nothing for the whole 50. I didn't care because my mother was paying for it. But, uh, yeah, that's really, what, <laughs> that's really what happened. But I never really got on with that guy. Uh, but then <laughs> later on in life, I did start therapy like when I was like 30 because someone suggested a, a roommate. And <laughs> when were you not doing the washing up? <laughs> the, uh, the wa oh, right, the, the baths. 
doing cleaning or something. I don't know what I was doing wrong, but she looked at me and said, you need it. You really can need it. And uh, so I started. And uh, that's when I started really learning about my, like, being more observant. He, he informed me that I hated my mother. And uh, <laughs> I had no idea, really. I knew I was annoyed, but I didn't know the level of hate. And uh, so I don't know. Maybe I'm gullible. Maybe I don't. Maybe I just bought into it. But I... But I learned, you know, I, you know, I observed myself through him. He taught, taught me to see things about myself, and that helped my comedy. And I started, because in the beginning, I was talking more about being a lawyer, what that was like. And uh, I, I still have that material, but uh, I started, I liked analyzing myself on stage. And I think the real reason I wanted to get into comedy, I remember when I was thinking about it, I thought, I want to talk about psychological issues. I didn't know they were going to be my issues. I thought, I thought I wanted to be like a psychological comedian. But then I found my issues are the ones I really like talking about. Hopefully, people could see themselves in me you know sometimes parts of me i know so maybe but so um what what interest do you have in psychology do you read books on it or are you is it is it of interest like how much of an interest is it to you? i do read a lot uh, i can't nothing comes to mind now i just have i haven't eaten i know i've eaten i don't know i'm always hungry constantly and my brain ain't really clicking right now i'm on a diet i used to be 75 pounds heavier so i'm not you know that was four years ago but still i'm still haven't adjusted to being this thin and I'm always like lightheaded, weak, hungry, angry. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, so yes, I wish I could come up with a few books I've read. And also, I'm getting older. I, my circulation's not what it was, you know. So I can't remember things. What books? But I'm, I am reading a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Say that last line. Go and see a show. <laughs> what? What? I'm, I'm getting older. I can't remember things. Yeah, go and see a show. <laughs> but the one thing I can remember is Ali Bell, yeah. and I can I can remember my show. But that'll be the last to go. I'll probably have Alzheimer's, but I could do an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I get so famous, maybe they rename it Alu Alzheimer's. If I get Alzheimer's. Alu Alzheimer's. You'd like a disease named after you. Yeah, Alu Alzheimer's. But I, I'd like to see, yeah, I'd like to see people get Alzheimer's where the only thing they can't remember is Alu Bell. That's the only, they have Alu Alzheimer's disease. So Actually, people say to me, do you say Alu Bell, Alu Bell to get people to remember your name? No, I actually don't. In fact, I'd rather people don't remember it because that gives me a valid reason to say it again. In fact, I, like, I love playing nursing homes because I say it, they, they don't, what? And I get to say it again. What? I get to say it again. It's like brilliant. So um, your relationship with your mom, has, has she seen your act, your mom, recently? Yeah, she's, yeah, she did see it like six months ago. She likes it. I haven't, didn't do, she didn't see the whole one-man show, this thing, but I have a lot of, she saw a lot of the stuff about her and she really loves the attention. And plus, the good thing about her, she's in total denial. She thinks she was the best mother ever. The best. I was the best. You know, and so she's in denial about anything. Yeah. And uh, so she likes the act, to my surprise. Wow, what a, what a dichotomy, you know. She thinks she's the best, and you think she's the worst. And the review will <laughs> agree to disagree or whatever, you know. I guess we do. Yeah, I guess we're right. I think. But I, and honestly, after doing this show for a long time and, and talking to therapist after therapist, there were some good things about her. I mean, there are some good things about her. She gave me a, she has a good sense of humor. I got that. And uh, there are some good, I'm trying to, I can't list, my brain can't find them right now. But uh, I think, you know, I've gotten some good things from her. But uh, she's a nice person. I think as a mother, she made mistakes, though. Giving in, giving in is not healthy for a kid, you know. So I'm still trying to adjust to that, that the world is not treating me like her. So, you, you, in fact, the way she set it up for me, the, my best period in life was my childhood because I was king. I was the king. And I'm like a king without his country or the king without the castle. You know, I'm a powerless king. So I, my best years were 0 to 18. The, the, after 18, it's all been a nightmare. 
<laughs> but it's gonna about to go back uphill after this successful Edinburgh run, right? I think so. Yeah, I really. I must admit, I think I'm getting a little happier because I'm, I think I'm gonna be able to. Absor- I don't know if like 10 years ago I could have even taken this in and like really appreciated it. I don't know if I could have ever even looked at a castle. I was just like looking at my thinking. I don't ever notice anything. But I think now I'm able to like notice things having grown up a little. I can actually see the world a little. So I might start talking about the world a bit. <laughs> next next year in Edinburgh, maybe. Right, right. right. Oh, not quite next year. Maybe the year thereafter. You know, people say in the next life, I'm always like, no, the life after that one. I'm going to procrastinate through that one, too. It's <laughs> a good line. Um, so your, your, your stand-up is quite rhythmic. There's a lot of rhythm. And when I first met you, you were sitting in the street playing a piano. Are you musical? Well, just for, uh, not musical, but just Al. Just the last part of the word. No, uh, I, yeah, I do play the piano. I, I, you know, Bill Cosby once described comedy like jazz, like a, like a rhythm. I think there is a rhythm to it. And maybe I have a rhythm in my act because I am musical. I, I like, I'd like to get better at the piano. You know, I only know four, I can read music, but I'm lazy to, you know, read new songs. I just have my five little songs that I play, but I'd like to expand on it. Yeah. So rhythm, what would you, how would you describe your rhythm? Or do you, do you like jazz? Oh, that's a bit of a pretentious question. Do you like jazz? <laughs> Why is that? Is that pretentious? Why is it? Jazz is seen as a bit pretentious right. sometimes, isn't it? I like jazz, yeah. and I'm pretentious. I like well, I, I like the kind of jazz that's got a very distinct melody to it. I don't like the kind that's all of I can't follow that, yeah. you know. So maybe it takes a really trained ear to do it, but I like the more where distinct melody. But uh, yeah, I like that kind of I like that kind of bluesy, kind of jazzy, kind of stuff. I can't again. I can't think right now of what I like, what songs I like. But uh, I really like Leonard Cohen. If you've noticed before the show, I had Leonard Cohen playing. Yeah, yeah I really love that guy, you know, uh, and Bob Dylan stuff and, and things like that. But I really do love music. I'd like to get more into playing it and, and doing it. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely a musical element to your stand-up, more than I've seen with other acts. It felt like, you know, it's a lot of repetition as well and, like, beats and, and, right. and also, like, yeah, you finish on a song as well, don't you? So, so there's definitely a sort of musical element and also very theatrical so where where does that inspire the theatrical inspiration come from in what, let me, in what way am i theatrical first of all you don't use a microphone that's quite theat- that's a, that's an act of a theater second of all um the it's kind of got a slight narrative i guess you act in it you, you do the voices of different different people so yeah you know it's like it's delivered quite theatrically whereas stand-up is not not that theatrical usually you know obviously yeah you you like put yourself in different situations and like do but yours was very very it it had an air of theater and music about it yeah well yeah because this show i'm doing i actually created as like a one-man show and it's really it can be really an hour and a half long i cut it down for this but uh in fact i may have made a mistake i just cut out punchlines no i'm joking but uh (laughs) but uh i uh i i do headline comedy clubs where i have you know i stand in front of a mic but I'd say about like 80% of what you're seeing is in my stand-up act, so I can do that. But I always found what's in my stand-up act is better suited for a one-man show because I talk in my stand-up act a lot about my mother and a lot about my name. And sometimes stand-up audiences resist that because it's like, well, we want to hear about us or what about... And I have a little material like that, but my heart is really in my name and my mother. <laughs> and death. I can go on more about death. I, I didn't do all my death stuff. But it's not perfect for stand-up, so it really is more perfect for theater. 
And then I like having I like having no mic. I don't like a separation. I want people to see all of Alu Bell. I don't like anything blocking Alu Bell. The mic blocks part of Alu Bell. And uh, so I do like that. And yeah, the rhythm. I find uh, you know jokes work better when with I think timing and pausing is very helpful is important to jokes. And uh, so I guess by learning where to pause and time things, I've created a rhythm. So uh, from your, how do you write? You talk more closely to the mic. This is all about you, isn't it? You're going to be louder in this than me. I know what this is. I know. Uh, editors. Higher up, higher up than me. It's all power. It's okay. I know. Stand up. It's all about narcissism. That's okay. This is healthy for me. I need to take a back seat. That's okay. Editors, note: Can we turn Al's up so he's louder than me? No, the mic's the same thing, but I think, no, maybe you're right. I sense it's closer to your mouth than mine. Okay. No, that's, that's okay. <laughs> I had a really good question there. I think I've lost it, though. Maybe you have a more, you have a better voice than me, I think. You have a more tonal voice. You're, you're a professional. You're a broadcaster. I'm insecure now. My voice is not, doesn't have the strength. And also, you're younger. Your blood vessels are flowing. The blood's flowing better. The brain's flowing better. You're so much more alive than me. I'm so much more closer to death than you. This is so depressing. But at least I still have the energy to feel that depression and anxiety. I can still feel the pain, but I feel I'm falling apart. I'm dying. You're alive. You're in your prime right now. You look 40, maybe 38, 40. Are you that old? You're younger, aren't you? Oh, fuck. See, I'm so depressed. I See, I may see myself in other people. I see my age in you. That's what's depressing. You're probably 29. 33. 33. There you go. You're full of life. Oh, my God. I envy you. Here I die. I should call that my show, Here I Die. Well, maybe I envy you. You know, you've been down the road already and you're here, you know. That's true. Someone said in a book, he said he doesn't feel bad being older because he actually feels bad or younger. They haven't lived yet. See, I have the power to kill you and deny you life, deny your future. But I won't do that. Phew. <laughs> All right, I'm going to, um, before we get on to the last few questions, I'm going to ask you about your, uh, how you write. Does it... How, where does that come from? Does it flow out easily? Is it a struggle? Do you like writing? You know, that's a leading question that assumes I write. The question okay, so you don't. Write. The question should be, do you write? Then I, right? You say, how do you write? That assumes I write. Okay. <laughs> well, but we've got an answer, haven't we? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do write. I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, I don't write regu as regular as I'd like to. You know. Uh, I get kind of lazy. I wrote a screen. I spent a lot of energy writing a screenplay or my, my kind of. I'm in a story that. Uh, but I do write. I, I, when I get ideas, I write them on whatever I could think of, and then I try to come back to it and try to extrapolate on them. And that's where the best shit happens, I think, when you can extrapolate and play with things. But uh, I guess it's that, you know. And I think the best stuff comes when you keep trying to write, keep trying to write, and usually nothing happens. And then later in the day, something hits you because your brain's in shape. I really think it's a muscle that you really have to push and, and, and develop. And my problem is laziness. And I fight that. I fight uh, writing. I, want, I, want, I should really, really keep writing because I know I could come up with a lot more stuff. Is it laziness or procrastination? It is, uh, yes. Well, I think procrastination is laziness, right? The fear of work. No, you don't think, what is procrastination? I think uh, sometimes, uh, I'm pretty new myself, but I find that sometimes it takes ages for an idea to be processed. So it's not actually, it's just like you're not ready to write it down right, you know, or it's not ready to come out properly. So you're like thinking about, like, you're just reordering it, getting it right in your head. So, and it's like. But the way, but the way I procrastinated is I am not reordering, I'm not getting it right in my head. I'm just refusing to do it forever. No, I, I think it's in the back there somewhere. I mean, it's ready to come out. 
in the front, then it comes out. I find that sometimes it's ready, and I say, no, I don't want it. Because I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to work at it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is, this is a, the best one yet, actually. Uh, now I feel pressure to keep it up. I wish you hadn't said that, because now I have... I hate when people say that to me because I have something to live up to. I have to something to do, and I don't like doing anything, as you know. Okay. Well, you you won't have much more. Okay. okay. Um, let me just see if I can get this. All right, so we finish up the world-famous Shambles podcast with some, like, more comedy-centric questions. Oh, wait, so you, you feel we're finished? You got tired of me? No, it's just the format. I mean, I, I, I actually felt like I wanted to talk to you a bit more, but I think, like, leave them wanting more. Hopefully we'll meet again sometime and we can, do, we can chat some more. No, I, I agree. Thank yeah. you. Um, so, what makes you laugh? Oh, this is the part where quick answers to quick questions? Okay. What makes me have funny things? Anything in particular? Uh, yes, a, 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 a single joke at a time, I find. Uh, is there an act you don't get? Uh, I'm sure there is, but uh, I try to avoid that person. No, I don't. I mean, you mean a certain person? Yeah, you want me to? He's like really, maybe someone who's really successful, and you're like, I just don't get that. Uh, no, because I find that I never watch anybody. <laughs> no, I don't really watch that. I try. I do watch comedy sometimes, but I don't think it's an act. I don't. I can't. No one comes to mind. Again, it's my circulation problems. Nothing's coming to mind. Just Alubel, faint Alubels, Alubel, Alubel. That's all I have in my head. But uh, no, okay. I don't. No act comes to mind that I don't get. But I find some acts I don't find very funny. But th sometimes there's even one funny thing in an act that's. I think that's great. And I don't. Say, I can't say I have the favorite comedian. I have favorite parts of each comedian. You know. Uh, Right, and I think we're all one person, right? We're all all one soul. So, you know, I guess when I don't like someone, I really don't like myself too. Okay, pick pick a comedian out of these three: uh, Richard Pryor, Bill Hicks, or Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, and pick them in what way? To have sex with them, or? Well, yeah, I'll, you'd leave that up to the listeners. Acrophilia, so I choose Bill Hicks. Okay. Well, sex. No, wait, you wait. Let me answer that question: Bill Hicks, Jerry Seinfeld. Bill, uh, honestly, I have to go with Seinfeld. Even though I like dark humor, yeah. I think, you know, when you add up all the work together, it's Seinfeld. What's the best gig you've ever done? Uh, again, I can't think of, there's no, I don't think I've done it yet. <laughs> What's the worst gig you've ever done? Gee, nothing comes by. I really think I have pre-Alzheimer's. Pre nothing is coming to my mind. <laughs> the worst gig i ever done... I know there's been some horrific ones, and I thought recently, I thought I should remember this one gig I did, because when people ask me, what is the worst, this was the worst, and I cannot remember it. This is horrible. I think this thing right here, this experience of not being able to remember, making me feel old and depressed, this is the worst gig I've ever done. Is this a gig? This is not a gig. I don't know what this is. It's a promotional uh, escapade. Right, this is not a gig. It's not a performance. Uh, I, I cannot remember. Is it cannot remember okay? Yeah, you got a wasp in your hair. Oh, my God, really? The wasp is gone, guys. Okay, 
Um, who's the funniest person you know who doesn't work in comedy? Oh, again, I can't remember. The funniest person I know that doesn't work in comedy. The funniest person. I don't know that many people. I, I, uh, I don't. Nothing comes to mind. <laughs> okay. If you weren't a comedian, what would you be doing? If I wasn't a that assumes I'd be doing something if I weren't a comedian. You should say, if you weren't a comedian, would you be doing anything? That is really the correct question. No, that assumes, I, how do, why are you assuming I would be doing something? No, then your answer should be, no, I wouldn't be doing anything. Uh, well, I don't know what, and maybe I would. I don't know. If I weren't a comedian, oh, that's right. No, I, that's true. Okay, if I wasn't, what would I be doing? Uh, I don't know. I think uh, nothing. Really, I think I really would be maybe doing nothing. I, might, I don't think I'd go back to law. Uh, I think I'd be just, you know, on welfare and just, you know, just trying to wait till I die. <laughs> and uh, what, what's the best club, comedy club, to play? I don't, again, I don't think there's a best. I haven't played that club yet. I think on certain nights, certain clubs can be fantastic, but I don't think there is a, a, a best club. I haven't, I couldn't, I, I, I've never, you know, I don't think there is a best one, for me at least. I, Wonderful. Uh, Al LaBelle, that was an absolutely hilarious interview. It's a pleasure to have you. Are you being sarcastic? <laughs> <laughs> no, it genuinely was. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure.